Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Be careful how much of your life you spend in front of all those different mediums, all those different things that you're taking in that are not from God. Be careful how much time you spend there. You need to be spending more time here in the Word. That I, I judge everything by the Word. Uh, but I got to have the word in me to, in order to be able to do that. So um, we want to be people that are letting the word, you know, we're not conformed to the world, but the word is transforming us or renewing our minds. So don't be conformed to the world, it says, but be transformed. When you make jello, it takes the shape of whatever container it's inside of. You have to think about what you're putting the liquid into before it solidifies into the eventual shape. Did you know that you can be shaped in a certain way based on what thinking container you put your mind in? This could be a dangerous thing to do. If you're looking at what the world deems as safe, honorable, moral, and loving. But Pastor Bill wants you to aim today to be shaped by God's ways and thinking. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 12 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. It says, present your bodies uh, a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And first of all, he says, I want you to present it to God in a certain way. Holy means consecrated, set apart. Just like those offerings and the sacrifices in, in, in the Old Testament had to be without spot, without blemish, they had to be offered perfectly. God says, you come. I want your life to be consecrated to me, set apart for me, right? That means I don't want to share you. Um, that's why God pictures his relationship with you like a marriage, for all the married people here, do you want to share your spouse, married people? I should be a louder note than that. Um, do you want to share your spouse, married people? No, right? No wife want to share her husband. No husband in their right mind want to share. There's some weird people out there. I hope y'all not here today. But nobody in their right mind wants to share their spouse. I'll share my meal, right? I'll share my clothes. I'll share my car. I'll share a lot of things. I'm not sharing my spouse. Nobody, right? So God says, so you're my wife, right? You're the bride of Christ. And he's helping us understand that we made the image of God. So the thing that you feel when someone even suggests that you would share your spouse, you're, well, that's just almost you want to slap somebody for, you know, for even suggesting such a thing. Well, you've been made in the image of God. So he's letting you know that. See how you feel about that? That's just innate in everybody. That's how I feel about sharing you. I don't want to share you either. I want you all to meet. And some of us, God's got to share you. And the cold thing is he got to watch. It's not like you can cheat on God behind his back. He's everywhere. So for y'all that are cheating on the Lord and, and going out on him and doing things, and think about the, everything we do against him, we do it right in his face. And it ought to blow your mind that he still loves you. Still loves you, right? But he says, I want you to be a holy, consecrated. Holy and acceptable to God. That The phrase acceptable to God, it means well-pleasing to him. That's how I want you to, to live. And um, it, it's, a, it's a challenging thing, maybe something that you have a hard time doing. Um, it's why we die daily. It's why we, we're crucified with Christ daily. If you write notes, write down Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says there, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so that verse encourages me because Paul said, look, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, not in my own strength, not in my own power. These things that we're called to do, 
living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, right? We're not going to muster up our own strength and live this way. God says, I'll do it through you, right? As you, as you just surrender to me, I'll, I'll live my life through you. He says, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. God wants to live his life through me and through you. And so it won't be my strength, my power, my commitment. It'll be my surrender, God's power, God, God working through me and living through me. Look at verse two. He says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I got to pick it up. So uh, when he says, don't be, do not be conformed to this world. Uh, God realizes that we live in a world that is trying to conform us. How does the world seek to conform us? Man, there's so many venues. There are more and more and more ways. Back when I was a kid, it would have been magazines and media and news. Well, now it's just more. The world has so many ways to mold you and to shape you and to change your thinking. God says, look, don't be conformed. The idea of conformed is being put into a mold. Uh, it's been put into a mold and made after the image of something else. And so the world is seeking to put us into its mold and it uses pressure tactics. It uses media. It uses news. It uses television and all those different things like that where the, the, the world is kind of pushing ideas down our throats and wanting us to accept them. God says, don't be conformed to this world, right? Don't pick it up. Be careful how much of your life you spend in front of all those different mediums. All those different things that you're taking in that are not from God. Be careful how much time you spend there. You need to be spending more time here in the word that I, I judge everything by the word. Uh, but I got to have the word in me to, in order to be able to do that. So um, we want to be people that are letting the word, you know, we're not conformed to the world, but the word is transforming us or renewing our mind. So don't be conformed to the world, it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The transform is, a, the, the word there speaks of a metamorphosis. And it's the same thing. As you look at a caterpillar go to a butterfly, it's a metamorphosis takes place. It looks different. It behaves different. It gets around in a different way. That it looked like two totally different things, but they're the same. The caterpillar turns into this beautiful, it used to crawl. It used to look like a worm. Now it's got pretty wings and color and it flies instead of crawls. Everything changes. Guys, that's what I want to do to you. I want there to be a metamorphosis. I want you to be transformed from what you were into what I want you to be. How do I get transformed, Lord? I'm sick of crawling like a caterpillar, like a worm. I'm sick of being down there like that. I want to fly. I want to be different. I want to be transformed. God says, this is how you do it. By the renewing of your mind. You need your mind renewed. You, you need me to do a work in your mind. And so this is where, you know, it, it, there's a part of this that comes back on us. How do I get my mind renewed? I got to spend time with the Lord. I got to spend time in the word, but I got to spend time in the word in a certain way. Some of us can come to the word out of duty. Got to do this. I, I, I got to do my devotion. So I go, you go and get your Bible and you read the, whatever the recommended reading was. And you, okay, I did it. I read something for the day. But you want to really come to the word in a, in a more of an intimate way. God, I'm looking to speak. I'm, I'm coming to the word that you could speak to me, Lord. Um, I, I'm not coming to get a word for somebody else. I'm not coming to study theology per se. I'm, I'm coming right now, Lord, just to hear from you. I just want you to talk to me. We have a relationship. It's intimate. I just want to, I just want to hear your heart. And so I'm reading the word that God can reveal to me his heart. Um, how do I get close to Jesus? How do I get to know him? It's going to be through the word. Write down John 1.1 and John 1.14. 
In John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Then in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so when you look at the word, when you're spending time in the word, you're spending time with Jesus. And the more time I spend in the word, Jesus is revealing his heart, his will, his desire, what he likes, what he hates, what makes him mad, what pleases him. All those things are being transferred as I spend time in the word. Um, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. I'm getting to spend time with Jesus as I'm spending time in the word. So let it be an intimate time where God is speaking to you and renewing your mind. And you'll find that maybe some old attitudes, some of us got saved and we had ways of thinking that, you know, this is how I grew up. You know, some people like to stay that way after they saved 20 years. I just don't let people talk to me in no kind of way, you know, uh, take advantage of me. And it's like, well, what verse is that? You know, first self chapter three, verse two, you know, that, that there's ways of thinking that we would have had as non-believers. And then we get saved and then you go through the word and God's like, no, that's not me. Mm-mm, I don't think like that. Um, and I've had that over and over again in my life. You know, um, I've, I've been of the persuasion at one point in time that, you know, I'm not going to let people take advantage of me, you know. Um, you know, if you let people do that, they'll, they can walk all over you. And, you know, I have my macho man attitude stuff at one point in time. But then I realized a couple times, you know, somebody stare at you for being people grew up like I grew up. You really can't let a grown man stare at you in your face too long without saying something. So I've had those instances where I'm, I'm looking back and I'm like, look at that. And this was way back. It's not been recent. I, I, this, this, this wasn't last week, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, you get there and then what you realize is that what you're going to do? You're going to fight? You're going to have a fight over somebody? Look, really? You're going to have a fight over that? Are you going to fight because he looked at you? Are you that guy? Are you there? And I'm like, no, I can't have a fight with it. How are you going to have? Why, why even begin the conversation? And I remember when it first hit me as a Christian that God was like, you're just going to have to let that go. I'm like, but then, then I'm going to look like a punk. I was like, that's, that's, so you worry, that's your pride. It's your pride, Bill. You got pride. You don't want to look, you don't want to look bad. Um, and then this is what, this is what he hit me with too, right? As I'm all worried about how I'm going to look, I looked at what Jesus did, right? Look at what he went through. He endured the cross. He suffered the shame. He was humiliated on my behalf. And I'm worried about somebody thinking that I'm a punk. And God was like, that's, 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 that's not, that's not me. That's some old nature that you need to let go. We write notes, write down Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter two, verse five. And um, Paul there said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, um, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. That's Philippians chapter two, verses five through seven. Paul said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So maybe your thing is not staring at people. Maybe you got some other worldly, carnal ways of thinking. But God said, look, I want to renew your mind. And so wherever it fits for you, God said, I want, I want you to be transformed by the renewing of you. You're gonna, the metamorphosis, the, the going from caterpillar to butterfly is going to happen in your life as your mind is renewed through the word of God. And where my lifestyle conflicts with the word of God, I change. That's what's supposed to happen. Where, where my attitude conflicts with God's word, I, I need to change. Where what I want to do, used to do, have always done, conflicts with God's word, that's where I change. If you're the kind of person that believes that because you've always been this way, it's okay. Know that that's, that's incorrect. 
Uh, and I met Chris. Well, you know, God just know how I am. I've always been this way. Well, you're going to have to change. Um, you know, God got to take you in any condition you come in, but you don't get to stay that way. Right. God is in the work of, uh, of, of restoring. He transforms us. So there's some people that come to God just how they are. And they, they expect to get to stay that way. God knew what he got when he got me. So there. And uh, I was like, no, no, you're going to get broke down. You're going to get broke down. You're going to change. You're going to change some things. And uh, what should happen if you walk with God for a while, you should meet people and, and th- that know you now. And they'll hear your testimony and be like, no, no, I don't even believe that. I know some guys that I know when they weren't saved, they were some really, really, really bad guys. But you meet them now and there's nothing threatening about them. They just seem like the jolly great guy that they are right now. You would have to hear their testimony to know the monster they used to be because they've been so transformed by the Lord. They don't even they don't even look like or sound like what they used to be. And so um, that's and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I mean, transformation is taking place. So God wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. This is the benefit. He said that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Um, the word prove, I would highlight for you guys. Proving something is that you know it for a fact. Um, I know for a fact this is God's will for me. I proved it. How did I prove it was God's will? But as I presented myself to God, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. As I was not conformed to this world, but I've been transformed by the renewing of, of my mind. What's happened in the process of that is I've become acutely aware of what God wants me to do. I'm able to prove God's will for my life. To prove it means I can test it and find it to be true. So I'm able to test and find for a fact this is what I'm called to do. So my next steps are not question mark steps. My next steps are not tiptoes. My next steps are not, I wonder, I think, I'm trying to see, I hope, but they're sure I've proven that this thing right here is the will of God for my life. And I believe that God wants us to walk with that kind of certainty. When people are praying about getting married, you don't want to get married and be like, I think that's what I'm supposed to be with. I, it seemed like it. It seemed right. They cute. They got a good job. You know, you wanted to be something where you make that kind of step. No, I'm sure that's who God called me to be with. Because five years in, when when things start changing, you can't go back and say, well, I, I'm not even sure that's 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 what people do. I'm not even sure this is who I'm supposed to be with. It's who you're supposed to be with now. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but you, you'll prove that beforehand, you know, so you, you, you walk into something like that with assurance. So, too, with the rest of our lives, God wants us to know how do we prove what is the will of God for our life? So I, I wanted to give um, this is just a little uh, I think something just helped me out. Um, so if you write verses, I'm going to give three things that as we try to sort out God's will for our life, um, here's three things that we can sift it through. Three questions we could ask. I'll give some verses along with the questions. But as I'm, I'm trying to sort it out, you know, these are some questions I could ask to help me sift out God's will. Number one, do you have a desire for it? Um, do you have a desire for it? Now, again, some of y'all are sitting here with this real carnal look. I'm like, all I got to do is desire it. <laughs> well, there's some um, there is some qualifications to that desire. Right. Psalms 37, four says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So as you're delighting in the Lord, not just as you're living carnal and running amok, because when you're not walking with God, you're going to desire the wrong things. When you're living in your flesh, you're going to desire fleshly things. But it's as you're delighting in the Lord. As I'm, as I'm making God my delight, I began to desire different things. That's what happened in my life. I never wanted to be a pastor. 
I never wanted to do ministry like this. Even after I first got saved, this was not my goal. But as I delighted in the Lord, and that was my delight, was to be with God, to spend time in his word. Next thing I know, I'm in my car driving, preaching sermons. I'm sitting there. I'm at, I mean, the desires begin to grow in me that came from the Lord. They weren't my own desires. So do you have a desire? A few verses. Again, Psalm 37, 4. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you desires of your heart. First Peter 3, 1. For those maybe called the pastor, Paul told Timothy, any man desires, desires the work of a bishop or a pastor, he desires a good work. Right? Where does that desire come from? It comes from the Lord. Philippians 2.13 says that God works in you both to will and then to do for his good pleasure. God's working in you. So as you yield yourself to God, God says, I start working in you to want to do than to be able to do, to will and to do for his good pleasure. So as you make God your delight, and you look at the things that are starting to stir up in your heart. As I get close to the Lord, I really start having a heart for this more. I really have been led towards this more. As I'm praying and in the word and spending time with the Lord, God's really moved my heart toward this. So number one question is, do you have a desire for it? Not some old carnal desire, but a desire that's come out of, that's been born out of your walk with the Lord. Everybody, got, everybody know the difference? Um, are, we, are we clear on that? I don't want somebody to go home like, well, I was desiring, you know, some old carnal thing. And, and um, so it's as you delighting in him. Number two, do you have God's peace? Do you have God's peace about it? Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Then it promises that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart. It's your emotions and your mind, which is your intellect in Christ Jesus. So as you're not anxious, you're not all in a rush. I got to figure out today, you know, as you're just praying and seeking God, do you have his peace? It's God settles your heart. You have God's peace on the situation. Also write down Colossians chapter three, verse 15. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. And the word there for the for ruling, the peace of God rule is like a referee. He's there calling calls. He's there, you know, like an umpire. He's, he's, he's guarding your heart in that regard. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. The peace of God determine if that's good or that's not good. Do you have a peace about it? You have a desire, number one. Number two, do you have a peace? And number three, do you have an open door? And uh, Revelation 3, 7 says that God opens doors that no man shuts. And he shuts doors that no man opens. And if you can line up these three things, as I'm seeking God, I desire it. As I'm praying to God, I have a peace about it. And as I'm looking up, there's an open door. I believe that with confidence, you can continue moving forward. But if you have a peace and a desire and a shut door, you can't kick the door down. You got to wait. If there's an open door and a desire, but I don't really have a peace about it. Should you move forward without God's peace? Family? No, you should wait, right? If I have peace... And an open door. There's a, I got a piece about it, and there's an open door, but I don't. I don't really want this. I don't desire this. I need to go pray. Lord, you said you would give me the desires in my heart. You said that you know that you would work in me both to will and to do. For and I don't really want to do this. And so I'm gonna spend some time praying and just say either change my heart if I'm if there's something in my flesh that doesn't want to do this that you would show me that. But if this if I don't will to do it because it's not your will for my life, I don't want to resist that either. But these are three things right out of the word of God that we can look at and just say, as I'm making decisions, 
I want them to be spirit led. I want them to be led by the word. I do want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, which comes through the word of God. Let my decisions sift through a process because everybody here, we want to know the will of God and we want to be walking in the will of God. Amen. And so next he tells us in verse three. And I think it's I think it comes where it comes for a reason. If you get someone that's walking out God's purpose and they're walking in the will of God for their life. You'll find this as you're walking in the will of God. There's some things that God will bless you to do supernaturally bless you to do them better than someone else on average. Um, God blessed Daniel, who was walking in this way to be above average, 10 times better than his peers. What could happen to me or you? if We become 10 times better than our peers in a certain thing. What could happen? What could take place in our hearts? Pride. You start thinking it's you. You get 10 times better. If I, look, if I play sports and I'm 10 times better than everybody else, it's going to be hard to be humble. I mean, I'm just running over everybody. Can't nobody catch me. You know, that's that's when you get guys looking back and doing all kind of funny stuff. It, it's, it's difficult to be humble when you just do something exceptionally well. And so he points out here, look, as, as we just got off of this thing of surrendering all of you are and knowing God's will, because what God does is he blesses individuals. He anoints them. He empowers them by his spirit. And as they begin to walk in that, they'll find that, wow, when I do this, it's not like when other people do it. It's anointed. It's blessed. What could happen? People could get into pride. And so write, write the follow-up verse, verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And so we're reminded here, he says, through the grace, right, through the unmerited favor, we're being reminded. Paul is saying, look, through the grace given to me, my gift, my apostleship, all those, it's through the grace. It's unmerited favor. I haven't earned this. I don't deserve it. It's not because I'm all that. It's a gift that's been given. So through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, he says not to think of themselves more highly than we have to think. So we need to be humble. Be careful that we don't get haughty, that we don't start feeling like we're all that. Because one of the worst forms of pride is spiritual pride. Feeling like we're better than someone else. And what can happen in a church setting, right? We're all different. We all have, it says here, at the end of verse 3, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So there's a measure of faith that God has dealt out to each of us. And it has something to do with your calling. And so maybe your calling demands a greater measure of faith than God has given that to you. And maybe someone else, their calling requires a lesser measure. And they've been given a lesser measure. Well, if someone with a greater measure is looking at someone with a lesser measure and they're like, how come they're not like me? How come I'm way up here and you're way down there? And we start comparing ourselves with each other. Then the body starts to, we start eating ourselves up, right? And it happens. You have someone in the body who they're just, God is working in them and, and their, their thing is evangelism. And they're faithful with evangelism. They got faith to do and they go for it and they think everybody should do it the way they do it. Nah, not so. Maybe you're gifted in a certain way. Everybody should participate in some way, but maybe everybody's not going to do it like you. God's given each one a measure, right? I got to be careful as a pastor. God has worked in my life a certain way because of what I'm called to do. I have to be careful that I don't look at everybody else and determine that because God worked in me this way, that he's working you, 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 you. Everybody should have the same thing I had. It's different. My life's different than yours. Um, There's some things that are for everybody, but I can't go putting off what God's requiring of me on everybody else. It may not be his requirement for you. So I'm careful. There's, there are things that are restrictions in my life. There are things that, that I have to, that are there for me, not necessarily for me to put off on every other brother 
in the body and, and, and you know, cast guilt upon them because, you know, I don't, so you shouldn't. So we want to be careful about that because we've all been given a different measure. We all got a different calling, different gifts. Do you ever start thinking about God's immense love for you and get lost in the amazement? He loved us enough to send his son to die in our place. But Paul, in his letter to the Romans, takes it even a step further when he says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't look at humanity and think we were doing such a great job on our own. He looked at us and saw that we were broken sinners, lost in rebellion, and he loved us anyway. If you haven't yet made the decision to follow him, know that he is looking at you and loving you. He loves you just the way you are today. If you like to learn what it means to follow him, you can call or text us at 310-245-4811. We love to walk you through the story of what God has done to offer you salvation. Once again, that phone number is 310-245-4811. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill is working his way through the book of Romans in this series a book filled with wisdom and instruction for life. If you missed a message and want to go back, you can find all our messages on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the media tab for links to YouTube and our mobile app. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you again. Meet us right here next time for another great message on A Transforming Word. Oh,